Dude, quit fucking up my podcast, Matt. Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 35, year two. Today, we're going to talk about my Cabo trip on Super Bowl weekend, as well as my poker games this week, as well as a bunch of phone calls. We got a lot of them this week. Buckle up. The Mouthpiece is next. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 35, year two. Uh, interesting week. Um, I got back on Tuesday, so it's five days after I got back. I thought I needed one day to recuperate. I needed two. And uh, then I uh, got invited to do a nice little private game Friday night I played in. And also last night on Saturday night. So uh, we'll start off and uh, kind of tell you how everything went. So we landed on, a, on Thursday, 6.30 a.m. flight. Uh, let's see. So we got on the flight, uh, me and uh, the moon girl, Danielle Anderson. Uh, we flew together. Uh, she came with us. It was like eight guys and her. Uh, she's like one of the guys. She's a lot of fun, super cool person. Uh, so we had her come in the group, and um, we had a lot of fun. We took off 6.30 a.m. from Vegas. We land in Phoenix. Um, I, Whenever I go and fly, I get a wheelchair because if I walk more than 50 yards, I'm in pain down my leg and my foot. So I always get a wheelchair, and it was with American Airlines, and uh, kudos to them. They were really on top of it. Got a wheelchair. They wheeled me around wherever I needed to go. Um, so we go, they wheel me to the gate, which is our connection flight. And it was like perfect timing. Uh, we didn't even, the flight was a little bit late out of Vegas. So by the time we got to the connecting flight, they were boarding. Uh, I get on the flight, about half the people get on the flight and all of a sudden nobody else is boarding. I'm like, well, this is weird. I thought this was a full flight. And I get a text from, um, Danielle saying, uh, they're not allowing anybody else to board. And I, I ask, and they have a mechanical problem. A wing is leaking fuel, and everybody's going to have to deplane. And they don't know how long it will be, and we're, they do not have another plane for us. So I get off. We go to the bar, and God bless Danielle Anderson. She's smart. Women are much smarter than men in a lot of ways. Uh, matter of fact, most ways there's just, you, know, you guys know how tough women are to deal with, but she was on top of it. She's like, she knew there was another flight to Cabo leaving at 1115 and she runs over there. And because we didn't check any bags, we brought our carry-ons with us. She runs to the desk and gets the last two seats on the only other flight out to Cabo. We get on. And so now <laughs> this is pretty funny. So we have to go all the way back to the B gates in Phoenix where we landed because they took me on my wheelchair and strolled me all the way to the A gates, which was God knows how far. So Danielle had to push me in the wheelchair. Uh, we got some good video of it. It's pretty funny shit. And, uh, and Danielle's really in good shape. She works out every day. And she's like, man, she goes, these airport people push people around every day. She goes, 
I'm in great shape and this was not easy, right? And it was kind of funny. We actually got on the, uh, you know, the little uh, uh, escalators, the walking, moving walkways. And uh, we didn't know you're not allowed to take a wheelchair on the moving walkway. And so everybody was like backed up and we have this video uh, picture. She took a picture of all the, like, 40 people backed up behind us on the on the walkway where I'm like screaming out loud I'm sorry I'm sorry we didn't know we didn't know but uh God bless her she gets her gets us on this flight and we're boarding the second we get to the, to the back to the B gates and it ends up we were going to have to wait at the airport an hour for all the people we were going with to meet us uh, and it ends up we land at the exact same time as them on the new plane uh and because uh, I'm in a wheelchair, uh, uh, I always thought my, I always knew my injury might come in uh, handy once in a while. Uh, we were able to not have to wait in this long immigration line. And all the guys that we were uh, going on a trip with were all in this long immigration line. But Danielle was able to walk with me because I said she was with me. And we got around this immigration line and, uh, and, uh, and, and we went. Um, I, uh, I joked around all weekend that I was the first person, uh, I might be one of the very few people that ever smuggled drugs into Mexico uh, because I uh, I uh, take a couple hits of pot to help me sleep at night. Uh, I started doing that about two years ago to get rid of my taking my uh, uh, sleeping pills and it's really helped me out a lot. So, uh, but I don't, I don't like smoke pot. I, I use concentrates. So I, uh, it was kind of like in, uh, you know, just a little pipe with a little bit of concentrate in this little, I don't know, jar. I brought it in. I was kind of worried. I wasn't worried, actually. I'm like, they're not going to check and say, hey, open your bags. You're, are you smuggling drugs in uh, Mexico? No, I didn't think they'd say that. No, but it was only just a little bit just so I could sleep. But I was, it was fun for me to joke around how I smuggled drugs in the, into Mexico. But anyways, uh, so we get there. Perfect timing. And... Uh, as uh, by the time we got uh, through quickly uh, to immigration, uh, I was able to sit down, and the guys were like five minutes behind. We had uh, the place we were staying at, which was uh, Villa Las Palmas. Uh, it is a huge eleven-bedroom mansion that's owned by Rusty Wallace, the race car driver, and he rents it out for weekends. Uh, so we, uh, they, uh, we get in this, uh, shuttle to his house, um, and, uh, they had alcohol. I, of course I wasn't drinking cause I really can't drink much. We get there and as we arrive at the gates, they had margaritas for everybody and it was amazing. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Phil, uh, Mr. Helmuth actually bought it at an auction they started out the bidding at ten thousand we bid twelve thousand five hundred for the weekend uh and then we had to pay for the chefs and the food uh the bartender geo he was included with everything anyways uh the, the i can't even begin to tell you the service was impeccable the lunches were unbelievable. The dinners they made were unbelievable. And of course, this place is so huge, like you can eat at the pool, you can eat at the place of 
above the pool. You can eat overlooking the city. You can eat in the formal dining room. We ended up five days. We ate dinner in five different spots, I think. Um, and uh, the, the, the food was just amazing. The service... The service was everything. I don't even, I can't even begin to tell you. It's like we're in the pool, all of us back and forth. Hey, Gio, send us the, and then he just round of shots, round of this. I mean, because of the meds I'm on, I'm not supposed to drink anything. And uh, for me, I went kind of hard. Uh, I know you guys are going to laugh about this, but I had a uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> don't laugh guys like six shots two drinks and two beers <laughs> okay uh oh no wait a minute on sunday night we went out i had three drinks so i forgot when we went to that club so at the house i had that but so maybe six shots five drinks and two beers in five days now i'm not going to incriminate anybody but let's just say there was a few of them that had double that each day okay i think that's a fair fair statement um and uh we we do have some funny video uh which will all be out on my youtube channel youtube slash mike the mouth uh but there's also a lot of incriminating videos that will not be there so we're going to uh kind of give you a uh an idea of the five days in cabo and how um, it went without, uh, well, just without the hard criminating evidence and the crazy shit we did. But we didn't really do that much crazy shit. Most We left most crazy shit up to Brandon Cantu um, because that's what Brandon does. Uh, so he, um, he, you know, he, he, he got, he was voted second MVP, which is, uh, he, uh, that's a pretty big honor. I mean, he went pretty hard, but the first MVP was our friend Timmy. He was funny as hell. I mean, he only drank wine, and he would drink so much wine that we were playing Laden Says, and and one time we bet 500 that he couldn't say the alphabet in 20 seconds. And he started, and he was like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, M, Z. He said Y, M, Z, and he loses the 500. He's like, what did I get wrong? And then we bet him another 100, another 200. And he was 1,700 loser. Like he kept saying YMZ instead of YNZ or YZ, right? So finally after losing 1,700, he finally got it right and won like 400 back. But it was so funny. We got it all on video. Um, and and, and like he really wasn't joking. It was like a, it was like a block. You know, and he was like, "What? What? I got it right!" And then he would like repeat it to us, and it was, it was funny. I mean, it was. I I've honestly, like, because my intercostals when I laugh hurt. I laughed so hard, and I couldn't stop laughing. And there was many other times where I couldn't stop laughing. This is just one of them that I had to put pain patches on my intercostals because the pain in my side was so bad for laughing so hard. So that gives you kind of an idea of, of how much fun we had. So, uh, you know, that was thir- that Thursday night and Friday. And then, uh, oh, the great one was this. So Phil Helmuth uh, shows up uh, uh, 7.30 at night on Friday. We got there at noon on Thursday. Um, Phil had to film a reality pilot with 
I don't want to name drop because that's, I don't do those things, but just go to Phil's Twitter feed. I'm sure you can figure out who he did the pilot with because he likes to tell name drop left and right and tell all those people, by the way, I love Phil to death. We make fun of him for it. It's what we do. So you guys will get a kick out of this. So we, because we all know Phil, decided we are going to do a Calcutta. A Calcutta on what name does Phil Helmuth drop first when he arrives in Cabo? Now, the prize pool was up to 1650 bucks. Uh, yours truly, Bet, took the highest two. I bet I took two people. I took J.B. Pritzker for 310 bucks because that was... Um, his billionaire friend that's the governor of Chicago that was flying in with a bunch of people that we were going to play poker with on Saturday. And then I took Draymond Green because he always drops Draymond Green's name. So, but after I had bought these names, I bought those two for 604. I had almost half the money that was in the Calcutta, but I figured I was laying like, like uh, 600 to win 12, like almost like not even like two to one. I figured I was like 10 to one favorite. So, um, but the, we had rules. We had a video. I got this all in video. You guys are going to love this. Welcome to Cabo, Phil Helmuth. Uh, we missed you. You know, and I could, we couldn't incriminate or lead him in any way for a name drop or whatever. So about five minutes in, he starts, he brings up his billionaire friends. I'm like, yeah, come on, drop it, Phil, drop it. I'm getting all excited. And all of a sudden, he switches subjects, right? And then all of a sudden, we start talking about, they got me on video too, you'll see all this. Like I said, I, I bet like 100, I could hold my breath for one minute underwater. And I lasted 20 seconds, and they were all making fun of me. So they brought up, we you know we brought up holding breath underwater, and then one person had Michael Phelps for 10 bucks. I'm like, fuck, man. We're, we thought maybe he was going to drop Michael Phelps after we talked about holding breath, but he never did. And um, but it's as crazy as it sounds, everybody, and you all know Phil. We also had a over-under how long it was going to take Phil to drop a, a name, which was like four and a half minutes, right? We're 42 minutes in, and he hasn't dropped the name yet, right? And... All of a sudden, like he went from all of a sudden, uh, one of our guys that was with us, name's John Green, jumps up. Yes, yes, and starts screaming. Yes, and I'm like, what? What? He dropped it. He dropped Elon Musk. Yes, I win the money. Elon Musk went for eighty five bucks. Okay, now I had talked to Phil the night before, and he told me who he was shooting the pilot with. So I told the person, whoever has that name which somebody had that name for 35 bucks uh, was going to be the winner because I figured he's going to talk about that first. So we're trying to buy the name. I, I, I really shouldn't say because I, I hate dropping names. Can I say the name in this part? Okay, I, I can say it. So so I was on the phone with Phil the night before. He's like, I'm filming a pilot with Kevin Hart. So I walk into the kitchen. I go, who has Kevin Hart, right? And one guy said, like, I got Kevin Hart for 35 bucks. I'm like, I'll buy him for 100 no, I'll buy some, one of the other guys, 150, no, 200. So we're trying to buy Kevin Hart for like, we bid as high as 300, the guy said no. So then he drops Elon Musk, and who went for like 80 bucks. And uh, we know he drops Elon Musk a lot, but 
Kevin Hart was such a big favorite. Even he said whoever had Kevin Hart got unlucky because we told Phil we had this Calcutta and he thought it was funny because Phil, Phil knows he drops the names or shit. He don't, he, we, he, we know how he is, but it was just, we got it all on video, how we, we have the whole Calcutta on video, um, how we're all bidding. You'll get to see this all. We have on video when he, actually, I was videotaping when he was, when, uh, when he, the first five, 10 minutes when he was there and trying to get him to drop the name because I wanted it live. And unfortunately, we didn't get the name drop live. I turned the camera on what right after he dropped Elon Musk's name and John Green won the whole 12, 1260 bucks or 1600 or whatever the fuck it was. But it was, uh, you know, we, we had this thing, once the name gets dropped, you got to scream bingo or scream out loud and, you know, and tell Phil what we did. It was really funny. And uh, can you, I mean, can you imagine having a Calcutta on what name drops Phil every day? I mean, this would be the greatest gambling in the world. I mean, fuck playing poker. Just sit there with Phil and have bets with your friends. Whose name, what name is he going to drop first? Every day on Twitter. Right. Every day on Twitter. Like, you can follow him on Twitter and you can bet your friends. Who will Phil drop today first? You can make those bets with your friends. This is a new sport. We'll call it Phil's, uh, Phil dropping. Uh, let's see. Phil dropping. Well, come up with some. Phil dropping, not names, but dropping something. I don't know. That'd be the new sport. It'd be like all over ESPN or something. Like, Phil drops names. What's the gambling line in it? Oh, uh, minus three and a half fucking is, is per, uh, per the first 30 minutes, three and a half. I got the over. Okay, you got the under? I'll take the over. No, it could be pretty fun. Anyway, so that was fun. So, uh, you know, once Phil got there, um, then we um, we joke around like we had MVPs. Uh, Phil finished ninth in the MVP race out of nine uh, because he spent seventeen and a half hours uh, with the group in five days. Uh, uh, one of the Laden said questions was how many actual hours has Phil spent with us in the group, and uh, we were, the Laden was going up, and somebody called at ten, and I said over, over. Everybody took over, and the guy who was a Laden, I won't name any names. Oh, I had it at seven. I said, seven? You fucking idiot. I'm like, he fucking landed with us at 7.30 last night, was with us till 12.30, that's five, and we were out at the pool all uh, all day on Saturday and Sunday. How the fuck, you know? But it ends up, you know, uh, we went to go play poker. He set up this game with a bunch of his, uh, uh, again, I'm not name dropping, whoever, let's we'll say Phil's friends. And we were supposed to start playing at four on the dot. So uh, me and Danielle really didn't want to play, but it, Phil insisted it was a, a spot where where we'd make a little bit of money. And um, I was like, oh, well, I could pay for pay for my trip, right? And uh, we all agreed we didn't want to play because we we're all having so much fun. But we'll go play if Phil guarantees like we're probably gonna all make money. So. I take an Adderall at 3.30 because I need to do that to focus on poker. And I get there in this beautiful area. I mean, it was like golf course slash. I've never been in a richer area in my life. I guess this is where every rich person in the United States has owns a piece of land, land in Cabo, like stays, I guess. I don't know. This place is amazing. And I'm like, I can't walk all the way down there. And they're like, okay, we'll take the elevator. So they originally said we were just playing poker on the beach in the spa. 
So we're looking for where we're playing poker in the spa. And they're like, oh, uh, these people, they're up on over there on the putting green. So they, they elevator all the way to the bottom. And I had to literally walk all the way up to this putting green. Uh, not putting green, but like kind of like an angel, angel uh, park that in Vegas, you know, where they have the 18 hole putting course where they, you know, you get over done with it with like two hours, hour and a half, whatever it is, that maybe even an hour putting. So I drop, I walk all the way up there. My halfway up, my foot is in severe panic. I barely walk. I get up there. I tell them I'm going to need a cart back. I can't walk, whatever. And it was 200 a man to putt. And I can't putt. I can't walk that whole thing. I'd be dead. So I sat there, became friends with people, talked to a lot of people. It was really a good group of people. Um, and uh, by the time there, it's like 6.30. So we get in the cart and they said, oh, we're going back to um, so-and-so's house. Okay, so I figured that's we're playing poker at the guy's house, which is what I originally thought we were doing. So we take the golf cart back to this guy's house and... Um, I'm like, wow, this place is beautiful. How much does this place rent for? And they're like, oh, you don't rent this. He goes, I own this. I'm like, oh, you own this. I'm like, nice, right? And I look out at the backyard. There's an infinity pool right out the porch. Flash, come on. Shut up, old man. No, you're a bad cat. Uh, I, you know, I'm in a lot of pain from the walk or whatever. So I said to the guy who owns the house, I'm like, it was like an ottoman. I'm like, can I take my shoes off and lay there? Here, oh yeah, no problem. But like right outside the, of his house, there's like an infinity pool, like five feet out the house, and then right in front of the infinity pool, literally five more feet in front of the pool, is the ocean. So, like because it's Cabo, they don't get bad. You know, they don't get like where there's going to be like tide that jumps off uh, off uh, into the guy's place or whatever. So. Literally, like the pool was five feet from the ocean and the house was 10 feet from the ocean. This place was beautiful. Of course, Phil and everybody go on a tour around the house. I didn't do any tour. I just, I couldn't walk. I was on the bottom and the place was nice. I probably went for 20 or 30 million, I guess. I have no idea. Place was gorgeous. So I was sitting there and they all finally come down there. Okay, we're going to go play poker. I go, where are we going to play? He's like, we're going to play in the men's spa at the main resort lobby. I'm like, okay, we're going to play poker in the men's spa. So I'm thinking, this is weird. And um, so now we have to walk all the way down. I'm like, I can't walk. So they, I go on an elevator and the elevator, I still had to walk like two grads. So I get all the way down there, finally. And uh, uh, the weather's starting to get a little bit bad, and but it's okay. And we, we, we there's a poker table set up in this like cabana that's basically on the in the pool in the back of the spa by the pool area overlooking the ocean. It was so gorgeous, but the lighting was really bad, so you can't really see. So um, we start playing, and um, unfortunately, a couple of the people that. We set up the game. We're having a good time with, um, I think, uh, took an edible or something there and they were already drunk. And next thing you know, they couldn't keep their eyes open and they had to go. And two or three of them, one by one, were falling down and had to go to their rooms. 
So, uh, but the game was fine, um, and, uh, uh, you know, they were making fun of me because I tried to bluff Brandon in one pot, and I lost like 7,700, and I was stuck, and, but Brandon gave it all back to me because that's what Brandon can't do, does. Uh, I love him to death, but that's what he does. Uh, so I end up playing, uh, so let Phil have half of me. It was 100, 200, uh, but the game played real small. I probably shouldn't have, uh, like Phil was like, you know, Phil, 100, 200, you could buy in for 5,000. I mean, that's Phil. Uh, so, uh, the game was playing really small. I'm very straight up. Um, I wish I didn't sell half of them myself then because the game was playing so small, but I'm very, you know, 100, 200. I was trying to think hundred and I was trying to be responsible. I couldn't afford if I take a big loss. So I ended up winning 10,200, uh, Phil get, got half of that. Um, and, uh, so that was, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, kind of paid for my trip uh the five thousand and uh so um what uh one of the guys was come down that was playing i was really drunk and he, he'd never played poker before i mean uh again these are a lot of really rich guys and uh he didn't even know what a flop was we had to tell him when to bet there's a flop or a turn and he was pretty drunk and um the game came to a crawl like everybody was so drunk and so and it was really kind of aggravating and then um one guy that was with us really good guy i don't want to name any names but he got a little drunk um and i thought he got a little out of line uh against the amateur that didn't even know what a flop or a turn was he was trying to bluff him a big pot and then the guy's like Oh, he says to the guy, if you give me 5,000 back, uh, you can have the pot. And the guy said, yes. And me and Phil almost jumped off our chair because that was just so out of line. You just don't do that with, you know, you're playing with amateurs. And so we made him give the guy the 5,000 back. But uh, that really aggravated me and Phil. And it just kind of got, it got to the point where, and I, I talked about this a lot. It's like, I want to play against people that I'm better than with. And I want to win money. And no matter how wealthy some of these people are, I don't want to ever be in a spot where I feel like I'm stealing money from them. Do you know, if that makes sense, do you guys understand what I'm saying? In other words, if somebody's so drunk or can't even lift their cards or don't know what they have and they're just giving it away or whatever, like one guy, the guy says, don't worry, they're big boys. They got lots of money. Don't feel bad. I'm like, yeah, but I want to win and I, I want, but I don't want to, being in this situation i i don't care how much money people have i don't want to be in spots where like i i just feel like i'm almost feel like you're you're stealing from somebody you know what i'm saying where they they have zero chance of winning you know what i mean so i kind of got upset and i'm like i'm gonna quit you know and um uh so i end up quitting they said they're gonna play till 12 30 12 30 came around the stuck guys wanted to play because two people that were really drunk had all the chips and they knew they were going to get it all back which they did uh so then uh that's when the story starts to get interesting so uh they send me on a uh in a taxi guy was super nice the guy walked me up there i told him i was going to phyllis las palmas but he thought i said villa del palmas which is uh i guess condos or something so he's like, oh, we're here. I'm like, this this isn't where I'm staying. And now I'm on a dirt road in Mexico with money in my pocket. 
I'm like, that's it. I'm getting killed. I'm getting killed for sure. They're just going to shoot me. Nobody's going to know where I'm at. Might have been killed. Anyways, so I'm texting everybody trying to get the address where we're staying. I finally got the address where we're staying. The guy had no idea where the address was. Okay, so now I'm like, uh, put it in Google Maps. We put it in Google Maps. So finally we drove around. He figured out where I was staying. I get there. Guy drops me off. I go to open the gate. The gate's locked. I'm like, pulling. Gate's locked. I'm hitting the buzzer. Can I get in? The guys, the people I'm all, everybody, they're at a bar or strip club or somewhere. I'm like, I have no way to get in. I'm stuck out here. Now, if I didn't have a fucked up back, there's this part of the fence I could have jumped over, but I could never have landed. If I landed, I would probably be paralyzed because it would have been a good five feet fall. So I'm sitting there. Finally, uh, their game breaks. They're only about 20 minutes behind me. And uh, Danielle gets the key and brings it to me. And we go to open the gate, and they gave her the wrong key. So the key did not open the front gate. So she's like, she's already pissed because she lost big in the game because, well, she ran worse than any human I've ever seen in my life. So she was already in a bad mood because she didn't want to play in the first place, neither did I. And now, you know, I was hoping it didn't ruin her vacation. So we get there. She's able to scale the wall where I was going to scale the wall and jump down and open the gate. And that got us in and we were good to go. Uh, but uh, it was pretty funny because, uh, well, we'll just leave it at that story. There was much more other things that went on after that, but uh, that was uh, pretty funny. Uh, so uh, I was I had to take a clonopin because I was flipping out. I was still flipping out from the dirt road, being stuck in the middle of nowhere. Now I'm sitting in front of the gate and can't get in, and uh, I was flipping out a little bit, but everything ended up being fine. So that was Saturday night. Um, then we got up early Sunday, about 11 a.m. They made us most incredible hamburgers you'll ever eat. And they made us chicken wings, which is probably one of the best chicken wings you'll ever eat. And they made us ribs, which definitely were the best ribs I've ever eaten. And so they made us an incredible lunch. And, um, I don't bet anymore, as you guys know, in the fuck football. I love Kansas City and under... But with the group, I was like, okay, anybody, 500, 1,000, who wants to? I couldn't, nobody, everybody had already made their bets, and Phil already had two grand on San Francisco, and I couldn't get down for anything. So I'm like, ah, that's good. I I don't need to bet anyways. I, I haven't bet in forever. But I was going to bet like 1,000 on Kansas City. So anyways, a halftime, I call a friend, is like the best halftime better in the world, only for the group, just because, uh, you know, see, there's a bet the group wanted. And this person told me bet at whatever I want on under 27 at halftime. So I told everybody in the group this. And when this guy, he's not, he doesn't, he's very choosy when he picks on halftimes. So when he tells me that, I know he's got the right side. So now, uh, I mean, he like, he might pick one out of a hundred games where he tells you to make a bet. So I, I finally, I get down with somebody for a thousand on under 27 second half. Um, there was a 10-point score with 6 minutes and 38 seconds to go in the game. Uh, I was 99.8% to win, and somehow they scored 21 points in the last 6 minutes of the game, and I lost my total, and that's why I don't win sports anymore, because of beats like that. And uh, 
I was actually pulling for Kansas City because a couple guys had big money on Kansas City. So when they were down 20 to 10, third and 15 with 6.38 to go, I was hoping they complete it in the game. I just wanted the game to be close at the end so we could, you know, I had no idea that somehow Kansas City was going to win by 11. Like even after they stopped San Francisco, I thought the game was over. All of a sudden I see some guy running into the end zone. I'm like, what the fuck? How is this guy just lost? How is this guy running into the end zone? So, to wake up of why I don't bet sports anymore. I looked at it and said, okay, I lost a thousand. It's the story of my life. I had the two winners and lost a thousand. I think I've said this on my podcast many times of how I'd go three and one and lose like 20,000. I did it my whole life. It's just the man upstairs was telling me don't bet sports. I was happy with it. You know, we joke around. Um, at 3.30, uh, the Super Bowl started. There was like three minutes left. Phil's all packed because he has to go on his, he had to go jet setting with his billionaire friends. And he like leaves before the game's over because the plane was taken off. He had to go. So we joke around why Phil was ninth on the MVP because Phil showed up at 7.30 at night, Friday night, spent five hours with us. Then Saturday with the group, he spent four hours with the group. He woke up at noon, went we went to go play poker at 3.30, so that's three and a half hours. We're talking about the whole group, all of us. And then Sunday from noon till when the Super Bowl ended. So I think, Phil, we figured it out. Maximum spent 17 and a half hours in the group that he was all about the group and all of us being together as he arrived a day and a half late and left two days early because we didn't leave till Tuesday. Phil was gone Sunday night jet-setting with his billionaire buddies, the BB Club, I'll call them. Jet setting with the BB club. I love Phil to death. I'm not, this is nothing negative, but all you guys that know Phil out there, or even if you don't, this is Phil being Phil, we call it. So, but I appreciate it. It was a great time together. Um, one of the best weekends I ever had. Uh, I needed a vacation very badly. Uh, so that's how that ended up. Got home Tuesday night, it's around nine o'clock. Slept Wednesday, slept Thursday. Um, I wanted to get this podcast out Thursday. I was just beat. Uh, then Friday, we had a poker game. Now, the guys we played with in Cabo that Phil went jet-setting off with to Chicago jet-setted back to Vegas for the weekend. So we, he sets up the poker game Friday night. Um, and um, the game, people were a little bit tired, so the game didn't quiet and a little bit drunk kind of lasts as long as I wanted uh I ended up uh winning 14,200 which Phil had half of again it was a small hundred 200 probably should have took all myself but I'm not greedy I just want to just survive get my bills paid I'm, I'm gonna have millions within the next two years there's not a doubt in my mind I'm in no rush to do it I'm very game selective now. I'm very money man. I have tremendous money management now. I just want to get enough money, pay everybody off, and never make the same mistakes I've made in the past. So, uh, um, you know, even after um, there was a game, let's go Saturday. I knew I had the invite on Friday. I didn't know if I was going to get the game Saturday. But if I did, it was going to be later. I got in the game around 10 on Saturday game only lasted till 1230 i was stuck like 10 ended up winning three uh so it's 1500 for me 1500 for phil 
Um, and uh, then they're like, oh, the game was done. Let's all go play Baccarat. I'm like, I'll have a drink with you guys and relax, you know, play Baccarat. I figure they play Baccarat, take the 1500 I, I won or whatever, and we'll play like, I'll play like 100 a hand or whatever. I, I don't play Baccarat. I don't gamble on any t- table games. So the table that we walked up to is a thousand dollar bet minimum. So uh, me and Phil and Danielle, we all put fifteen hundred each together, and uh, I thought we were going to just play a thousand a hand. But somehow Phil managed to to lose all our money in three hands. I'm like, uh, okay, this was supposed to be a relaxing. Let me have a drink for an hour. But this is how I know I've changed in life. Like. When I got home, this 1500 bothered the fuck out of me. Like, I don't know, I played for two and a half hours on one 1500. But the old Mike used to like, like piss away 10,000 like they were nothing. And this 1500 just bothered me so much that I couldn't go to sleep till 7.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. And uh, this is that's a good thing. That means that I have value of a dollar. Uh, in the game, there was a hand where I raised it 800. The guy made it 3,500. I knew he had nothing. I snapped, made it 10,000 with ace nine offsuit, and he snap folded. And uh, so I still following my intuition, uh, playing poker, but I have value of money, and that is a really good thing to have. The mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. It's time for my favorite time of the show. Our phone call segments. Let's hear what our fans have to say today. Let's light up the phone lines. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's up? Mike. What hey, up? Hey, my man. I was, I was wondering if you could uh, shed some light on... There's a gentleman by the name of Brian Wojtek who keeps ripping people off on ACR. Hmm. I don't, I don't know nothing about it. Uh, oh, you don't, you don't know any. You should do. He actually, uh, the um, that terminally ill poker player that just recently died, Kevin yeah. Racks, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know that name. Yes, he he scammed him. Also. Really? Yeah, he's so fucking low that he scammed a terminally ill guy. Well, welcome, so, welcome to the poker world. Um, no kidding, my the man. poker world. I know people will hate when I say this. Uh, they'll say, oh, Mike's so out of line. But 50% are scumbags. I mean, a lot of people will say higher. Uh, a lot of people think I'm crazy. It's way lower. But people are just will do anything for money, and they're scumbags. And I talk about it on this week's episode of the podcast. I'm actually kind of what I'm talking about of how um, just people do any just – They'll kill their mother for money. And it's just, it makes the poker industry look bad um, where there's so many giving people in poker, so many people that that work so hard to give charity, to make the world a better place. Uh, 
but you know it is a cutthroat business uh i try and make it more of a fun business where i don't look at it as i'm in there to take their money even though i am i look at it as a game that i'm better than them yet and i win at the game where other people look at it as a way to scam people out of money and do whatever they can to get their money and that's the difference between me and everybody else so you know uh i understand what you're saying there but i i just haven't i haven't been on social media much i've probably been on twitter twice in the last three weeks uh the reason is it's a horrible place it's a negative place uh every time i go on and and post something uh the comments are never and even if it's an uplifting message it's always something negative and i just don't like being around that and so right now i'm trying to get my Instagram uh, following up because Instagram is more of an uplifting place where Twitter is really an awful place to be. <laughs> I don't even know anybody that even... I, I, everything is negative, 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 negative. I can't even be yeah, around true. it. That's true. Respect to you for staying off. I, that's, you know, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be able to do it, but much respect for being I, I was, a, I was. I realized I was addicted to Twitter for a while, especially two, three years ago. Where I was just like, some, and even sometimes I go into Twitter, Twitter rants for for like an hour straight, and I don't even realize it. And I'm like blasting off like twenty or thirty tweets, and then I'm thinking to myself, well, "What am What am I doing?" I'm like, I'm reacting to a bunch of kids living in mommy's basement. You know what I mean? That are just hateful people. So uh, I, I even I. I posted something uplifting like a week ago on Super Bowl Sunday it was something funny and then all I got was 80 million negative horrible things you know so I, I try and stay off of it uh, I'm uh, and it's uh, I'll be honest with you it's kind of got me a little bit down because of the fact that I love doing my podcast and I love uh, talking with people but with so much negativity it uh it's gotten me in a, huh, what's the best way to put it? I'm not in a real happy place doing my podcast where I was for the last year because of the fact that I have to go to social media. I have to have people call in. I like, and, there's, and you're great, and there's a lot of great people that call in, but I get a lot of negative stuff, and I just hate negativity. I just want to be around positive people. So I'm kind of working on trying to figure ways around that to keep me mentally engaged without getting turned off by the negativity of the poker world or the world in itself. So that's kind of what I'm working on. Yeah, well, much respect to you, Mike. I, I really hear everything you just said, and it, that kind of impacts me a little bit, so I, I appreciate that. You got it, my man. And uh, you up. to all your friends, listen to the mouthpiece and uh, call in any time you want, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, take care, man. Take care of yourself. You got it, buddy. Later. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Who's this? Uh, this is Aaron. Hey, buddy. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. I just uh, I just busted in a tournament, but I thought you were taking some calls. Yeah, we are. And uh, wanted to see. Uh, they they made an announcement recently that um, high stakes poker was coming out again. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. And just wanted to know who you would say would be your toughest opponent in all your 
I, I actually don't know who is going to be playing. Uh, I'm sure I'll be playing a few sessions. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I've, uh, in this world that I live in now, I, uh, I try and put myself where I'm playing with people who are always worse than me. And I have, <laughs> I haven't played in any games where people are as good as me or really good in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to take yeah. a look at who's playing. Um, uh, this is the quite opposite for me of a person who challenged everybody, had up my whole life and played everybody, no matter what was the game was about or whatever. But now uh, now I kind of uh, been get trying to get in games where uh, they're, they're, the games are just really good, which I've been getting in and, and I've been winning. So uh, I need to make an adjustment especially with the World Series coming up in a few months. So I'm going to start playing with uh, higher-end competition so I'll be able to compete during the World <laughs> Series because playing like yeah. in the games I've been playing with, it's uh, it's uh, you have to adjust your game. When you're playing with people that that don't like play aggressive or that limp with big hands, like you can't like attack hey. limps and you can't, you have to, it's just, and they don't fold any pairs, so... Like I find myself rate. What's that? Can I butt in? Yeah. Can I butt in? Yeah. What about um? I I rewatched it recently. What about the hand? It was the Southern Two game, where where Helmius got you. I think you had kings. Yeah. Well, I, I had yeah. But the thing about that hand, um, I've told the people the story. That was a crazy. That was a crazy. You you. I mean, what was the what was on the board? Well, but you have to understand. I tell people the story all the time. Okay, and and I was mad at Phil for about a year about this. Okay, it was um, one of the very few high stakes uh, games where I only had one buy-in. I had one bullet for hundred grand. Oh, okay, and uh, yep. and so I told Phil. I said, Phil, I don't want anybody to know this. But keep it between us. I'm like, but I'm only playing one bullet. I said, but I need oh, to. Wow. I, I go. I wow. need to. But wow. I need to stay on the show the whole time. So Phil kind of took advantage of that. And he knew it was early on, and he knew that I knew that he either had three queens or seven deuce, and I was seventy five percent sure he had seven deuce. Uh, but if I was yeah. wrong, I would have been off of high stakes poker ten minutes into the show, and uh, and that's why yeah. Phil won that pot. You made yeah, so, that makes sense. Though, so, but the, people don't understand is I won one hundred and eighty grand that day. Phil lost one hundred and eighty grand that day. That's the part of the story you'll never hear. So yeah, no, I mean, I like I'll, I like to tell people that part of the story that they don't know. So um, I don't know if Phil uh, intentionally took advantage of the fact he knew I was on one bullet because he's the only one I told. Which he, I don't know if he did. I don't want to blame him because we're really good friends now. But it's possible he did. I think that uh, it's a lot easier to put pressure on people when they know that. Uh, that's all they have to play with. You see what I'm trying to say? That's why in, in no hey, limit. Mike, Mike. Yeah. Can I say some one other thing? Yeah. Dude, I I'm a I'm I'm old school like full tilt poker back in the day like where I I think you and I even played some like some hands in like some cast games, but mm -hmm. man, like the one thing I will never forget is is your grind against in that world. So I can't remember the year, but the year that Raymer got you and then like you were playing so good, man. And like 
I don't think two thousand four. You know, you were kind of sobbing. You were kind of you were. I felt your pain, man. Like, yeah, I, I well, you know, hard. the I felt your pain, man. Like because you were playing lights out. You were playing lights out, and you got nailed. Yeah, but you kind of toyed with them. You kind of you kind of messed with karma a little bit. Yeah, you messed with karma a little bit. And the whole but, thing was you were, is you were playing the best. You were playing the best. Were, the, I, I the, felt for you. The thing I is, too, is is. I had gotten set up and was going to jail for six months, and I only, only one other person knew that. So I was playing that tournament yeah, I, I heard that for my podcast. life. I heard that you know, if I was going to go to jail, I was going to jail with two month, two million in my pocket. But you so, played, you played, you played, you played incredible. You yeah, played incredible. You know, and and but uh, don't trust me. That was the most pain. Losing that, getting knocked out there. Uh, were you were you were, you were you were you were setting up Raymer. You were setting them up. Dude. I, I had him so you're, set you're up. To put your, Pounce on him. You were waiting to pounce on him. I had him set up, and then, and then, yeah. what was it? I think it was uh, two weeks later. I I was chip leader with a chance to win the Aruba tournament and got fucked for third there. And then I went straight over to the U.S. Poker Championships in uh, at Taj Mahal, and uh, I didn't do well yep. there. But and then I went to Vegas and went straight to jail. Was it fun? But, uh, dude, I just the whole full full tilt days, man. I I was just a big fan, and like, hey, man, I appreciate. I, I know that. how how awesome you played that that tournament against Raymer, dude. I know, and like, for you to get beat like that, I was I was I felt your pain, man. I appreciate it, man. Your pain, bro. And I appreciate. And I still calling. I still think about it. I still think that's why I still follow you because those were. I mean, you 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 wear your heart on your sleeve, and that's kind of if how I, I roll, can so just I stay out of pain, I'll be fine. Hey Mike, could I ask you one last question that yeah. I'm really curious about, and then I'll I'll end it. Sure. Like, you know, you played you played all these like cast games on TV. You know, old school like full tilt people mm-hmm. that used to play full tilt with you, and we played like there used to be those full full tilt cast games. You played all these World Series of Poker games online, mm-hmm. or excuse me, on on ESPN. What's the hand that's been televised that you're most proud about? Oh, that's a really good question. Like like. Like, um, like I played that hand, like, and it was on television, you know. Uh, I'm gonna there. I mean, there's two of them, I guess. Uh, uh, that I'm most proud of. Uh, probably the one where I check raise the guy when I tell him the kitty game was down the street when I had the two oh, tens. Dude, legendary, legendary, legendary. That, I still use one. That 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 hand and. Uh, and uh, probably, I mean, the hand that, that busted me from the 2005 main event where I knew Raymer or I knew Danaman yeah. was, was bluffing. And you had it. You had it. And it was like yep. a five million call. And I told him, I said, I just know you got yep. Ace Jack. Right. I, I just, I, I, and I, I called. I, and then I, 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 and a board was deuce three, five. And I wasn't even thinking he has a gutter ball. I was just so, thinking no ace, no jack, yeah. you know. And he hit the gutter ball four, and I was knocked out ninth. So, uh, if, if I remember correctly, you when you walked off that, it was Phil Gordon in the back room, right? Where you were like, after you busted it, and you're like, no, 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 no. Uh, I, remember, I think it was I mean, like Bill Greenbook, Phil Gordon. I mean, the hand also. I mean, my friend Matt was with me when I had the Kings versus Aces, and I was like, please tell me what happened. And I'm like, and he tells me I got it, but he actually said you got it, which I knew he told me you got it, so I got excited. But it ends up he he said he got it, 
But somebody called on the show last week and said they listened to the tape and they could hear him say, you got it, which I knew he said that to me, even though he denied it, because I never looked at the replay in 15 years. And so, but when somebody called me the other day and I was so sure what my friend had told me, and he said, no, he listened to the audio and my friend actually did tell me I I got it, which I knew he did. So um, that was interesting to hear. Um, uh, I mean, those are the ones like I'm probably the most proud of. I mean, that I could think of. Um, uh, there, there's been so many. I mean, I've gotten unlucky on a lot. I mean, high stakes poker. You made some high stakes poker. You made some good moves. Yeah, I mean, I was like, that, I was second biggest winner on high stakes ones. poker. Televised ones. I was second yeah. biggest winner on high stakes poker, and I was the tightest player. Oh, and okay. and what people yeah. would be like. People would be like, oh, why is Mike playing so tight? Why is Mike playing so tight? Well, if you don't play a hand for three hours and you raise under the gun and five people are still calling you, why in the fuck would you do anything but play ABC? You know what I mean? Dude, that's that's exactly like I go to a poker room where I live. I just play like, you know, like one, three. It's basically a two, five game, but one, three. But it's the same thing, like. Like you, know, if, you just sit around and play tight till the the donkey. Right, but if a guy if a guy's game. playing tight and doesn't play a hand for two hours and opens a raise under the gun, why would you ever? Even, yeah. you would just fold and give him the annies. I yeah, mean, exactly. that's what you're and supposed these, to do. But these people I play against, they always still call. I'm like, oh my god, I it's have a joke because they don't pay attention. They don't. Get, they don't. They just don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you know, I'm just a believer now with the way people are playing and stuff. It's like, well. Just play tight. I mean, it's not like they fold. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you no, know, I that's my my poker tournament strategy. And I've I've you know on my little small world I live in, I I do pretty good at my local. It's all relevant, man. Club. It's all relevant. And, you know, I mean, I hit. I mean, I hit this week, but I'm doing exactly that. I mean, these people will limp in with just a bunch of crap all the time, and I just sit around and play big hands. You know, because they're a little limp and called. I play. I I played three hours this week, uh, 100, 200, no limit. I won uh, 17,000. I let Phil buy half of me. So I won like 9,500. Dude, that's awesome. But I mean, to me, right now. I played against you once. I played against you once. I played against you once on like uh, full tilt. It was like six handed. It was like 25. I had built my stack up pretty good. mm -hmm. It was like 2550. And I made a move on you with King Queen. It's like, I mean, you would never know, but I, my buddy and I was, you know, you were the full tilt logo. You know, you had yeah. your, your icon there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I made a move on you, and you, you folded, and I'm like, dude, I just made a move on Mike Madison. You know, like, <laughs> I was like, but that was the old days. That was the old days, dude. Yeah, you know, was, I mean, that was good that, times. those were good times, man. And, and the thing is, I like, I like seeing like playing the pros. You could see your little like, hey, that's Mike Madison. That's no, that's what we brand. That's why our brand was so good. It's a shame that fucking. Oh, it was, it was a damn shame. Dude. Yeah, I fucking love. I, I used mean, to be on the full tilt forums. And the, the I thing used to be on the full tilt forums and. The, the, I, I miss all that. For two years before Black Friday, I was bitching about the people who ran the company, how greedy they were, how. A lot, and everybody yeah. was like, "Well, what are you saying? All this stuff about your friends, and they pay you this much." I'm like. Because I'm a truthfulist, you know they're greedy. Dude, they were they it. were nitty. They were fuck. They they, they they no matter how much money they made, it was like like it was every dollar in the world meant everything to them. And 
And it came back to bite everybody, you know, and greed. See, that's what I liked about you. That's what I liked about you. It's like you talk about all that, and you were the fun guy. Yeah, you just can't. You can't be greedy. I'm talking some trash. Yeah, I'm talking some trash. I'm gonna have a little fun. And if you listen, if you listen to this, the Raymer, the Raymer, you know, you were. I've been to you before in that situation. You were maybe a little out of hand, but you were passionate. And I, I, I can understand yeah. that. And you could tell by when, when it when it when it went bad for you, like the the cause you knew you were you were fucking on. You were on. Like you were hitting and Listen, you, I had I mean, more you, passion. You, you make some memorable you make amazing runs in these huge tournaments. Yeah. Amazing runs. And, and then, I, I used to have a lot like of passion. That, like, that, that I mean, I still have passion, but my passion is not is like what's the best way to put it? Like, okay, so I'm fifty one years old now. Uh, we're talking now. I'm 43. I'm not 15 too years ago, I'm so I was like 36. But I was a very young 36. In other words, I was pretty immature. It. I didn't really kind of grow I, up I, 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 until maybe a that. couple of years ago. And even then, I haven't grown up. Yeah. But but like my everything in my life revolved around poker. And um, I, I didn't know a lot of things about life. I was kind of naive. That's why I got set up and got in trouble. But um, I look back at everything now, and I just wish I could just move my yeah. everything I know now. Just go ten years backwards, and my life would be perfect. But you know what? That's the way you, it is with everybody. Yeah. You got to learn from your mistakes. You know? Are you are you saying that 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 like the outcomes of poker hands like affected how you? acted as a human being well no it's just like what was done to me like getting set up put in jail for six months something i didn't do um the uh um being when i read your book like yeah being taken advantage of i don't i don't i'm honest i don't know if i really believe it but i i read your book yeah I mean, I don't know. I don't know you, so I don't know. Well, everything that. in the book was a hundred percent facts. So, uh, you know, I can tell you okay. that. Right. I'm going to tell you this, and then I got to go. Um, the things that that okay. were most important is that I, uh, um, dur- during those times, you know, a lot. I got, I got fucked over a lot. I got hurt really bad, and uh, by people who were very close to me, and that hurt carries scars and. I have a lot of scars yep. that I try and hide, uh, but most of the time I'm truthful about them because uh, uh, if you're not, you you just leave it inside. It, it festers. So I try and, and talk about I, it a lot. But, uh, you know, I tell people all the time when, when we're born, we 99.9% of the babies, they come out as happy babies, okay? And what happens to them in yep. life is things that happen as they're growing up or in life that hurt them and that caught scars that either make you a better person or you can fold under the pressure of the bad things that happen to me for a while I folded and now it's made me a better person. If that makes sense. So no, it does. And Mike, it's a pleasure. Thank you for taking time to speak to me. I've been a fan for many years. So appreciate you. You got it. uh, Tell all your friends, listen to the show. I appreciate it. I enjoyed watching your your ups and downs, man. Like, and I, I hope you pull through, bro. Well, we're on an upswing now, and hopefully, we're never going down. So, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I, I, believe, it, I believe it. And good luck with your podcast. Have a, have a good night. You too, man. Have a great t- great weekend. Later. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the mouthpiece. Who's this? The mouth. 
What's up? Mike Jamal. Who's this? Hey, man. How you doing? Who is this? This Jay from this Jay from Dallas. Jay from Dallas. What's going on, buddy? Hey, big fan, man. I was going to ask you. I wanted to get uh, you to talk about the 2013 uh, National Heads Up Championship against Elmu. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great. Uh, a great week for me. Um, <laughs> I, I love watching that man. That was a great head up match. Um, I thought I dominated in the first one. And I thought Phil over adjusted in the second one, and yeah, uh, right away, the ropes and then he, right away he when I face. when I saw how aggressive he was playing, it took me all of three hands to adjust and stop raising the button and just started limping, and then I was keeping <laughs> the pot small and playing in position, and uh, he won like eighty, like seventy eight out of eighty pots, and I had the chip lead, so. Um, my, the way my strategy in, in in the round two really worked out well, and if he don't hit the ace against my kings, it would have been over in two rounds. Uh, and then right. I, what what really would have been great is I wish the cameras would have followed me and Phil back after uh, match two between match two and three because we were in the hallways. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We were in the hallways <laughs> talking so much shit that he, I'm <laughs> like, he and, and I'm just like, Phil, you're fucking suck. I'm like, I fucking demolished <laughs> you in round one. If you, you fuck, you over, like you played like was. an over aggressive <laughs> maniac in round two. Yeah. And then if you don't hit an ace, you're out. Like I said, now you have another life. And he's like, yeah, I know. I played pretty bad. He go, he goes, I got it now though. You're, fa you're faltering. You're getting tired. I'm like, Phil, I had a dream I won this tournament. I wasn't even going to play it. You can't win. Okay? Just let me get that through your head. Okay? But we're talking a lot of shit. But the funny thing is, is like, right. like I uh, Phil made a huge mistake early on round three when I flopped a flush and he had 8-7 on a 7-5-3 diamond board. And, um, right, right. and that gave me a huge cushion. And um, so I knew when he moved in the, the last Stanton, I mean, like, I, 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 you had to I go with it. that draw. Well, yeah. I was going to fold, but then I counted my chips. And we argue about this. I mean, there's not at least one out of five days I see Phil or talk to him. We talk about this. We argue about this. So I told him, I counted my chips. If I call, there was 800,000 chips each. If I call and lose, I have 792,000. So basically we're even, 808 to 792, right, right? right? I had a certain amount in there. Now, granted, I wasn't getting the right price to call. But if I call and hit, I already had like 200,000 in there. If I call and I hit, it's over. So, and if not, right. I felt like I was outplaying him. I, of course, I let him, he likes to say that, he was outplaying me and I was going to lose. And the reason why I called <laughs> is because I was in fear of him and I knew I was going to lose and I was getting tired. And of course, you know what I tell Phil. It's exactly what the reason why I called Phil. You were right. I was getting tired. I wanted to gamble. I knew I was going to lose. Cause that's what you have to tell Phil. Okay. But in my mind, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, eh, I call, I lose. I'm back to even. I feel like I, I know where I'm, I, Phil's a better head up player than I am, but in this tournament, I got in the zone somehow, some way. It was, you know what it's. Yeah, I don't know if you play poker. Feel, when you get you in know? the zone, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So I had no problem calling, and uh, 
and I got lucky and hit and uh and it was uh you know it was it was pretty good you know people were talking all that shit I didn't deserve to be in the tournament I can't play they're always I it's really weird how I can't play but all I do is win I've now won 30 of my last 31 sessions and at the World Series right, the last right. three years, I've got 23 caches out of 52 events with six final tables. Absolutely. That's not bad for a guy that can't yeah. play. Now, I would like to put that record up against anybody else, even though I haven't won a bracelet, against anybody else in poker. And I don't play. I play. I don't play full-time. I play like three hours a month now, okay? So, right, right. and I'm on fucking every fucking pain medication that you could put in somebody's body, okay? I'm half brain dead yeah, from man, the shit. Sucks, Just think if I could fucking focus again and play full time and I was out of right. pain all the time, what I would do. So to everybody out there that thinks I can't fucking play, they can go suck a cock. So, yeah, not World Series, man. You always come around the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I put because I put my head down and I focus. You know, during a you lot do of times, really good in the fifty k events too. You kill I do it. good in every event. You know, it, it's just if there's yeah. days where I when I don't do good, like I was struggling during the middle of the World Series last year, and I was playing great. But like Sean Deep told me, Mike, you're playing great. He goes, there's still. You know, your best event tomorrow, then the main event. He goes, don't give up. And then I, I smashed the last three uh, where I want, I want, got a fourth in a stud eight, which I was chip leader on the final table, a very disappointing fourth. Yep, I saw and them. And uh, yep. then I got a, a 199th in the main event, another real disappointing finish. And then 30th in the turbo. So I, I went, uh, the last three caches were uh, like for 190 grand. You know, so uh, that made me have a good World Series. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, for somebody that that has, that's literally, like, I was pretty much pain-free all World Series this last year. That's why I did well. But the two years before, I did really well, and I was in chronic pain. But I had to tell. You try that, that uh, Kratom? Stuff. I tr I, I've tried everything. I got a permanent spinal cord injury, and when it acts up, yeah, it acts yeah, up like three right. times a year, really bad. And when it acts up, it sometimes right. lasts like two months. And I'm sometimes bedridden for two months. And unfortunately, it started yeah, acting. That, it started acting up in the middle of November, and I've been in really bad shape up until about oh two weeks ago. The severe pain went away. Uh, and uh, so I've been going out and playing a little bit. I'm really pressing. I've really bought into Daniel and Phil's positivity. You got to be positive. You know, stay positive, right. stay positive, stay positive. Positivity breeds positivity. And um, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like there was a couple of really dark days in the last couple of months where I lost that positivity because it's the pain, the pain get makes the negativity, you know, but even when, even when I was getting into pain, you know, my girl would be, I, I you know, I, I, I live by this rule by one of Daniel's good friends that that's kind of a life coach type of guy, he teaches like how to stay positive. He gave me this advice right, you know, right. at the World Series this year, which is don't think of anything negative that happens more than two hours in the past than that is gonna keep you in a positive frame of mind. And when I was in so much pain about three weeks ago, and I was like, I want to kill myself. I hate my, I hate my life. I'm so depressed. And yeah, man. after two yeah. hours, my reach out. my girl said to me, she says it's been two fucking hours. She goes, you're not allowed to talk negative anymore. And so that got me through right, that day, right. and it gets me through a lot of dark days. So, um, uh, you know, uh, anyway, so that's uh, I'm just trying to stay positive. Anyways, I got to go. I appreciate the call.
And um, I appreciate thanks it, for man. listening to the mouthpiece, buddy. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. Take care. Bye. Peace. You too. Later. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Hello. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Mike, how are you? Who's this? My name is Justin Abrams. How you doing? Hello, Mr. Abrams. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. How's life treating you? Oh, good. Um, ups and downs. Uh, poker's been great. Uh, health, been a lot of pain again. Uh, but I'm dealing with it. It's been worse. You know, um, so just trying to uh, stay positive and do the good things. What's uh, what's up with you, man? Seems like you're heading in the right direction, though. So I'm happy to happy yeah, to see that. You know, it's a it's 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 a daily battle. Um, Sending you positive thoughts and good vibes. Yeah, yeah, I'm good though, man. Improve. You got any questions right for me? Yeah, man. Well, I've been a big fan of, of of your poker player for a long time, man. Thank so you. I just man. want to thank you for for everything you know, like, you know inspired me for many years to want thank to play you. and uh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So. Um, yeah, I really want to thank you for that. But uh, yeah, I my main question was I was curious at how you feel about like the current state of online poker and it's like kind of legitimacy and, and like fairness and you know transparency compared wow. to that's how, a, how it's been in the past. That is a great question to ask me. Um, I personally, and I don't, I, I, a lot of people get upset at me when I say this. I am not a big fan of, of online poker. Uh, For sure, I the, like. there's two reasons why. A, I've had two losing months in my life playing cash game tournament, poker, cash tournaments, whatever. And online, I've four million dollars loser. Now I know I've been cheated out of two million of it. That I know for a fact. Um, and the fact that so many bad things happened to me with online, whether it was getting cheated out in the ultimate bet scandal. Uh, whether it was what happened, how Full Tilt treated me and how they tried to throw blame on me for their mishaps. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, I kind of got down on on online poker. And as crazy as it sounds, I didn't even know till three years ago that people even played online poker anymore. I thought once it was out of the United States, it was just being played in Europe. And I had no idea that European like online poker blew up and and everybody on in Europe now and Brazil and all those places where we were helped building back in the 2010 has all blown up in a big business now. I didn't know any of that till three years ago. Um, and I didn't know. And it's know, still pretty popular and prominent in Vegas too, right? right? I had no idea that, that 90% of the people that were playing back in 2011 on Black Friday are still playing from the United States on VPNs. I had no idea, For no sure. clue, or America Card Room or any of those things. I didn't even know these things existed until like three years ago. So uh, it's, it's very uh, interesting thing now. Now, I think that uh, it's going to be regulated and it's going to be legal soon. But the the days of like, like the poker player, like we built Full Tilt, right? And a lot of poker yeah. players built Ultimate Bad or whatever. It's there's going to be no poker players involved. They're going to be all cut out by rich fucking millionaires and billionaires that want their cut. And there's going to be very little. I mean, there there'll be people who will get sponsorship money, but it won't be like it used to be. And um, 
will they really know how to regulate it? Will they really know when there's bots on there? I mean, I heard recently For sure. America Card Room just got rid of like 80% of the bots. And I know for a fact people, again, I didn't even know online poker existed until three years ago. Uh, they were saying that uh, that um, there was a ton, nobody would play on America Card Room because there were so many bots, but now they've gotten it cleaned up. But what's going to happen when when it's being regulated by these big corporations? Are, are they really going to be following everything? So that kind of scares For me. For sure. You know? I mean, it seems like it's like, how, how do you even like, you know, ensure safety and like, you know, security with, with, you know, how advanced, you know, I guess hackers and stuff could be where, how, how do you know that someone's not able to see your whole cards? Any, any of the other weird, crazy things that I've, I've heard, you know, that well, are exactly. still possible and people are capable of today. So it's just uh, I, my favorite line I tell people is, they fucking go in the Seven Eleven and they shoot people for forty fucking dollars. Do you know how fucking easy it is to 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 steal or cheat people online? Now I don't know anybody that has. I mean, I'm sure they're at they're at their people have, but like I, I mean, I tell the story all the time. It's like I I would never do it, but like, even back in the full tilt days, I was playing two four hundred on my eight or better. I was playing yeah. on in, on my laptop on my bed. And my friend Mike Wattell was playing on, I was playing on the air card and he was on my Wi-Fi on the computer, like in the room next door to me, right? And like he raises me on the river and I looked at him and go, what do you got? He goes, I don't know, you call, right? Because we're ethical, we would never, you know, cheat or tell him. But just think if I was sitting next to him on that with uh, a computer and he's on, I'm on an air card, he's on a computer and I'm able to look at eight, Eight cards out of twenty-four in a PLO or or Omaha eight. People can't win. You understand that? I can play straight for sure. fucking for forward. Sure. I can play straight forward. Never fucking cheat. Never do an unethical raise. Play straight forward. Nobody would know it, and they can't win. If you could see eight out of twenty-four cards, no one else can win. Now, am I saying that that's happening? I have no idea. I would say ninety. Five percent not happening, but I believe there's probably five percent of people that do that. Because I remember back when online poker was getting real big in two thousand six, seven, whatever, and these kids were walking in with fucking like sleeping bags full of money. They'd sit down yeah, in a poker no, game. Sure. They'd sit down yeah. in a poker game, and they were clueless. So, and I, I take that, and then I'll never forget when I was in Brazil. We were doing this party. Uh, for uh, uh, Full Tilt Brazil and they took us to this huge mansion uh, for a pre-tournament party and they're showing me around and upstairs there was a room like as big as the Bellagio poker room that had lines and lines of computer screens and I'm like what's this? He's like oh we teach people how to play online poker here and I'm like really? Like I'm a fucking (laughs) idiot you know what I'm saying? There was like Three to five hundred computers in this room, and you wow. just know they just hired people to like that are competent to try and build stacks and probably dump them off to other people. I mean, I just don't. That's when I first realized, man, there's there's fucking some shady shit going on. You know, like for I, sure. That was the first and, time and I take, realized. Taking, that. taking it a step further, I actually I'm curious how you feel about. A lot of the players that had a lot of success on online poker that probably didn't have success 
in, li- in you know in live games. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it might have to do with the fact that like I I noticed that when I played for for a consistent period of time that the algorithms actually kind of became somewhat predictable to me, and so I want. Do you think that people I believe were actually that. just you know what? You know, this is how dumb I was. Were, were they, you know what I mean? Like, were they successful because they play the algorithms, you know what I mean, more so than even just playing the game legitimately. You well, know? they're two different games, okay? Online yeah. poker yeah. and fucking live poker are two different games. Now, I have a For friend sure. right now that's kind of, I don't really want to really say anything, but he's kind of teaching me this GTO and algorithms and that these people have, have, have literally looked at hundreds of thousands of different uh what do they call those things? Uh, uh, Sims. Sims, right? Yeah. You know how many Sims I've looked at in my life? <laughs> how many Sims do you think I looked at in my life? Oh, man, I can't even imagine. Okay, so a Sim is when you look and you put in the cards and give you your yeah. probability, right? So yeah, for sure. I've probably looked at maybe... 40 sims in my life okay just to see what my actual odds on certain hands that i wasn't quite sure on and most of them were PLO, and 39 of them maybe were plo sims you know what i mean so the everybody else is so analytically driven and it's fine when you play online because you can't see anybody. So you have to play analytically driven, which is now makes sense totally. why I lost a lot online and why I never lose it live. Okay. But you bring okay. somebody that plays straight analytics and you see them calling you with hands that there's no way they're in front. And, um, and you see how bad they're playing. You think oh, these people are playing terrible. Like it's so obvious I had this. And they're like, well, For sure. my equity to call was this much and my equity. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, but I don't play deep. So your equity is never correct. You know what I'm saying? Like I buy in for, sure. for never more than a hundred bigs because before 2010, up until 2000, like only 10 years ago, you were allowed to buy in more than a hundred bigs, even on full tilt in the 15, hundred no limit game. The most you could buy in was 10 K in the, 1020, the most you could buy in was 2,000. In the 2550, the most you could buy in was 5,000. Okay. So you had to play poker. You had to play around that. Now, you know, people buy in like ultra deep, which completely changes the game, makes it all about math and analytics. Okay. Which is kind of like how people play the main event of the World Series. But the bottom line is, is when you're in the day four and day five, the big stack has a hundred bigs, and everybody's sitting with, with the same fifty fucking bigs. That that For normal, sure. that's why I'm so against day two late registration. That's why I'm so against people that can buy in eight when three quarters of the field are out because poker tournaments are about surviving long enough to give yourself a chance to get lucky, not being able to buy in when three quarters of the field. For are sure. Out. So. Speaking of that, I mean, I, it seems like most the majority of the other players, like uh, the poker community, feel, also feel that way. Do you think that, they like, do? That but the, everybody change. feels that way, but nobody wants to step it up and go and just, to management just because essentially it's, it's like taking away money because they just see it as an opportunity to right. get more players and more buy-ins. I mean, like when you have, we finally, of course, Phil will never be on this side because Phil cares you know i love phil to death he's probably my closest friend in poker 
but he's very self-centered. He cares about himself. And when Phil, <laughs> late Reg and day two buy-ins favor Phil Hellmuth, okay? Now, somebody like Daniel, who knows it favors them, when they, and Sean Deeb, who knows it favors them, and they come out and they say that it's a big advantage for them and that it needs to be gotten rid of. Now you got people who care about the integrity of poker, okay? That care about sure. poker moving forward, okay? It's not about, you can't be selfish in this magnitude. You can't have people that, that satellite their way into a tournament and they bust Justin Bonomo five times and they see he wins the tournament. Okay, you just can't have that. Who? What kind of recreational player is going to want to play a satellite to get in a tournament like that again? You see what I'm saying? For sure. So yeah, no, totally. One one yeah. maximum reentry when you travel across country is all I'm for in the in the big buy-in tournaments at the World totally. Series. There's nine gazillion tournaments. The only ones I could go for a reentry is is maybe those Colossus because they have four day ones or whatever. But other than that. Other than that, there should never be unlimited re-entries and there should never be day two buy-ins and there should never be late reg past six levels. And those are what I'm going to... Well, I push for on every podcast. So it's uh, I, I make sure every podcast I, I say this. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for hear that, what's yeah, best I'm happy, for poker. I'm happy to hear that. I hope, and I hope that that gets, you know, that, that, that has changed. It gets implemented hopefully in the future. Because, I mean, it definitely changes the integrity of the game and it changes the, just changes the flow of the game and everybody is for it you take a poll it's like 85 percent what i'm saying nobody wants day two registrations nobody wants unlimited re-entries no the only people that they even say they want one re-entry is on a big tournament where they fly across country okay there's they now added more tournaments this year there's going to be over 100 tournaments at the world series we i we do not need re-entry day two buy-ins to any fucking tournaments now i heard there's like three of them that have uh, one re-entry in it or whatever, and I'm fine with that. But I heard they got rid of most of multiple re-entries, which is good. I think they have one, uh, and I think it's the Colossus. Sure. So uh, hopefully they're listening, and the greed, yeah. the greed, they're going to make the money. You don't want to bust. You can't be in where they bust everybody, and poker goes downhill. Because right now, yeah, it looks like poker's thriving uh, because the tournaments are thriving, but. Are the tournaments thriving, or is it because of all the re-entries? I know the cash games suck shit. Okay. Yeah. For so, sure. anyways, I got another call. I appreciate the call. Uh, all thanks for calling, good, man. man. Uh, I mean, I did have one more quick question. Go ahead. Well, go I, ahead. I know you have to Hurry up. I was curious of your stance on the use on use stake and, and people people staking staking each other. About what about use stake? About like how you feel about that? I love about, it. Like people buying people. It's the greatest yeah, thing you, ever. You, you, you know, and, cool, and, and, and the people that were against it, and, you know, and I, people, they don't understand. Okay, let's just say uh, I've it's been around. It's great to me, but I just I have friends that I'm like, I'm trying to understand why they seem so against it. But, because yeah. they're, uh, cause they can't get markup for, like other people get, and they are jealous. That's why. Okay? <laughs> when people sure. like for Phil sure. Helmuth, me, Daniel, whatever, have been – whoever, and Daniel – Gave away half this year, whatever, with no markup. But I'm just saying, Dan's got a lot of money. But like, but Phil owns a piece of you stake, and I'm a big. I really think it's great when you bring people in. Okay, let's totally. just say I charge 1.5 on all my events, pretty much. Okay, which yeah. basically gives me uh, a 50% free roll. Okay, but it's not like poker players are putting up 2,000, 3,000. 1500 okay you got like groups 
of two, three, four, five hundred people who are putting up forty bucks, okay, or fifty bucks for one percent of me, okay, and the actual cost of it is thirty bucks, okay, it would be equal money. And so it's like they're paying 20 bucks extra to sell their friends. I've got 1% of Mike Mattiso in this tournament. I got For one. Sure. This is, this, people like that. People like yeah, totally, telling their totally. friends. They don't actually, they didn't buy like on poker, uh, uh, Mike McDonald's site overseas, poker, whatever it's called, stakes, whatever, where you, where you could buy who you think is going to win or whatever. That's just having, you don't have an actual piece of that person. You're just, you're having, a, you're betting. On, on who, whatever, uh, but to actually have a piece, like when people have pieces of me, I'm playing for people's money, and that totally, makes me yeah. I, more I dedicated. So great, and like, and I, and it's like, and it's worth it to you know, you know, even with a little bit of markup, you know, right. like all things considered. So that's yeah. And I've won I'm money, happy, for, yeah. and me and Phil even charging one point four, one point five on every event. We've made money three years in a row for people, and I've been one card away from putting like a million dollars in people's pocket three years in a row. So yeah, even I with remember. that, they've no, won any, sure. between yeah. thirty-five and a hundred thousand. You see what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, I, sure. I, I'm. Anytime you bring money into the poker world, for, this is what we need. Okay, this is good totally. for poker. Any t- and everybody that that's against it, it's because because they have a a backer that like the people who are against it, right? They either have unlimited money or they have a backer who puts them in everything. And when the people who have a backer that are against it, I say like you get a 50, you get 50% plus with makeup when you know you're going to win. So you're getting pretty much a 50% free roll, right? And you're getting staked in every event for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you're going to throw a fit because somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, selling pieces of themselves, on you stake or whatever to, to help yeah. lower their variance. Like my whole life, even when I was very wealthy, I never put myself in a poker tournament. I always had 50% of myself. Phil Hamuth never, ever put himself in a poker tournament. Not once in his life. Always has, wow. always has 50 to 70% of himself because it, he thinks like me, first of all, he likes people having a piece he likes because for sure he like he's got a big ego he likes to tell people oh, i want all this money for people you know he <laughs> like that's him okay me i do it because it makes it takes the pressure off of me when i know that i don't i'm not risking much and i could win money for other people it makes me play 10 times better or try harder when there's been tournaments like small tournaments i put my own money up like 1500 I can't tell you how many of it just grenaded those, okay? Because I just had a cash game to go to. But when I sell sure. those pieces online, I don't ever grenade them. And when I do and I play bad, I put it right in my tweet or I play like shit. I apologize. Uh, whoever had a piece of me, I'm going to give you a free roll in or something. Like that's how much I, I pride myself on playing well. So uh, for me, it works out really good, and uh, I'm going to continue to do it. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, pre- well, yeah. Appreciate your time, man. You Thanks got it, man. For, yeah. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. Call. To all your friends uh, listening to the show, just, you got you. it, man. Take, Take care. care. Later. Bye. See ya. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's up? Hi, Mike. I'm much, man. This is Fred from Northern Illinois, and I uh, just called to see if you've had a chance to review the 2020 World Series of Poker schedule and how many events you're going to play and, and all I that stuff. I have not looked at the schedule yet. Um, I 
um, this is really weird. I'm kind of teetering between playing 10 events, uh, all the uh, high-low splits, all the uh, the Omaha eight stud eights uh, and a couple of horse and the rest. Uh, I've got an invite to a very good private game that's going to be going every day where I think nice. I can make a lot of money. And um, as much as I live for the World Series, and so I hate tournament poker, but I love the World Series. It's just like a family atmosphere. You get to be around the people you don't see for a whole year. And I really like it, but I, I might end up... Uh, uh, leaning towards only playing ten, 10 events and playing this private game um, because uh, I need to really financially get myself back on my feet. And unless I pick off a big tournament, uh, which, you know, I could do, uh, it's going to be tough to make the money that I that I is almost guaranteed in this game. And uh, so I might just give up one year. Well, not give up a total year, but give up a full schedule this year just to financially really get myself out of debt and back on my feet. And it's a real, it's a pretty good spot. So, uh, uh that, that's really where I'm weighing myself right now. Well, that's, that's good to hear, Mike. And let me just tell you, it's really great to, to see you doing so well with your podcast. You know, you, I've, I've been a big fan since the onset of the poker boom with, uh, back in the day. So it's really good to see you doing well and, and that you got your pocket podcast so successful. So I appreciate really good it. to see that, man. Yeah, you know, I um I uh I appreciate you saying that. Uh I got uh you know, I'm an emotional person. I got kind of down last week um where I just almost I was like I don't want to do the podcast no more. I'm I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it no more. Cuz I got aggravated. It really bothered me that I was not nominated in the top 10 poker podcast when I know I have the best poker podcast and I thought it was political and I got, it really bothered me that they took it to that. It's like impossible for me not to have been in the top 10. Now, I don't care about winning, but to not have been nominated, you know, I was just like, I do so much for poker and I do this podcast for my fans and I do it for just for everybody to kind of give them an insight into my life, what I'm doing, uh, how things are going. Uh, I do it for my fans and and I love doing, making people happy. I like putting smiles on their face. I like debating people on whether it's poker, politics, whatever. It's fun. And I just, I just had a, a, a it really bothered me a lot, but uh, I'm over it now. I'm back to wanting to do the podcast again. But I was, I, was, I needed that vacation in, in Cabo because I was really, really down about it, you know? And it's just like, how could I put in all this work and do all this for my fans and put out a product, which I think is second to none. And then they, because of political, well, what else can it be? I can't be anything else. Not have me in the top 10 best podcast. So I, I was pretty upset about it. So, but it's okay. It's all good now. You know, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, Mike, it's not even close. It's, it's you and, and, and all, all the other content. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and I know that you see what I'm saying. And I put out the thing yep. is I want to put out content of, I'm a very honest person. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. People, a lot of people even say like, why do you say that in public? I mean, how are you so honest? Because that's how I've been my whole life. I don't want to just throw out, you know, I'm not trying to knock Phil or anything, but I don't want to name drop and say like, you'll never hear me name drop it. Like I've, I, I've played poker with some extremely powerful rich people and I'm going to Washington in two weeks and I'm going to be playing poker f with probably two of the most powerful people in the world. 
but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to bring those names up because that's not me. Okay. I, I'm just right. not a name dropper. I don't want, I don't people want, Oh, look, Mike's been playing poker with this rich. Oh, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you're on a fucking G6. <laughs> I don't care if you're a billionaire. I care if you're a good person. If you're a good person that treats people the, the way you want to be treated, then you're my friend. If you're not, I don't give a fuck what you have. And that's just the way it is. Like I had an invite to be on the Kardashian show that Phil was on. I refused. He's like, why? It's so big for your brand. They're the biggest reality show. My answer to him was this. They represent everything that's wrong with the society. And I can't endorse that. And um, they might be great people. But I don't like people who brag what they have. I don't like people that that are always, uh, you know, uh, getting married, having babies out of wedlock, uh, you know, I just don't like that. I just, that's not what my values are. And uh, for people to look up to people that are always, bra- so I said this to Phil, he goes, oh, you must hate me. I said, Phil, if I didn't know you for 22 fucking years, you'd never be my friend. You know what I'm saying? But you, know, you got to accept people for who they are. If you don't, you know, you you know, that's it, you know? So, but I don't need uh, more than one Phil in my life. You know what I mean? You know, Phil's a handful. I love him to death, you know, but he's got a heart of gold, but he, you know, he likes to, be around rich people and always uh, just kind of like probably an insecurity on his part but I, I i have no i love him to death for it and it was fun playing poker this week with all his buddies that he flew in with and they they were making fun of him they're like oh phil phil's been jet setting this week because <laughs> they're making fun of him dropping <laughs> it was just so much fun I'm, i talk about it this week on the show and stuff so i actually don't have a guest this week because I, I have so much to talk about with cabo and everything so uh hey i appreciate you know you give me a call and, uh, you know, kind of telling you what's kind of been going on. And, uh, hey, you know, that's just uh, like you said, it's me and all the rest. I appreciate you saying that because you know what? That's for sure. Mike. That gives me that makes me that that just uplifted me so much because even before I started recording t- today on the podcast, I was a little bit down. I was talking to my editor and then uh, but when I hear you say things like that, it uplifts me and it makes me want to work harder. So I appreciate that very that, much. That's awesome, Mike. And if you ever make shirts uh, and you know you're selling to the public, I, I'd, I'd be your first customer. Yeah, for that. we're gonna and actually we're, we're actually here as soon as I get back from Washington D.C. I will have a website up with all kinds of stuff. So you'll I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on that. So I appreciate it, man. Sounds good, Mike. Will be we're, we're during the summer for the World Series. Looking forward to it. All right, man. And if you're here, come up to me and. And I probably won't remember you, but if you tell me, I'll try because my memory sucks. But come up and say hi. All right. Will do, Mike. All right, my man. Take care. Thanks a lot. All Peace. Right. Later. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Who's this? How's it going, Mike? This is Mark from North Carolina, man. Hey, Mark. How's it going, buddy? Doing okay, man. Just having a Sunday night. Yeah, you're fucking. I'm doing home, I'm doing homework with Jonathan Little's website. You, that's a you, good. Um, that's, I know that, you talked to him a while back. Have you checked out his study materials and hold them at all? I just know that uh, one of my closest friends does content for Jonathan Little, and he's a great teacher. And I think how Jonathan teaches poker is phenomenal. Uh, if you're just a beginner, uh, and so I always recommend his to uh, a lot of his stuff. But one of his main teachers is uh, one of my good friends, and I'm opening a 
a mixed game kind of teaching site here before the World Series. And he's going to be one of my no limit teachers because he teaches no limits so good. And uh, so I have nothing but respect for Jonathan Little and how he teaches poker. I think he absolutely phenomenal if you are somebody that just is trying to learn. So it's, it's, it's really good. But you're from yeah, North Carolina I mean, and your fucking college yeah. fucking team sucks shit. They found a way to lose a game <laughs> so yesterday that if they played 100,000 times, they couldn't lose. I saw that. The whole How's that possible? <laughs> How can they lose this game? <laughs> Do you understand they led I, by 13 I, with two minutes to go? They needed like they needed to miss every free throw, and they had to have the referees fuck them on two ridiculous calls for them yeah. just to... I, I just, that's got to be one of the worst loss. I ran, I don't watch, you know, a lot of college basketball. I just, I always watch Duke, Duke and North Carolina, so I watched it yesterday. But sure. that loss ranks up to, with, like, the Super Bowl that Atlanta gave away to New England when all the guys. I was just, just going to say, I was when the guy, level melts. Yeah, like, you, the thing is, is when people say that New England came back and won that Super no, they didn't. The fucking Shanahan, he could took three knees and kick a field goal and the game was over. Just like... He did it again. Last he literally two Super Bowls now he's given away. Like like I mean there it's even when it's 20 to 17 and he gets he's at the ball at midfield and he gets 6 yards on the first he's got second down and four and he throws the ball on two why? Why? They couldn't stop him on the run. I don't even know how they lost this game, you know? I, by the way, I, I, I had Kansas City and under and didn't bet it, but I called a friend at halftime. He's wow. one of the best halftime betters in the world, and I was trying to see if he had a bet for the group, and he told sure. me, just bet whatever you want under 27 at halftime. So after not betting the game, which I like, Kansas City and under, I took 1000 bucks and bet it on the under 27. They had, what, 10 points with uh, six minutes to go and scored 21. Yeah. I mean... To lose that total, I mean, it tells me why I don't bet sports no more. Like, like I was 99.6% to win that total, and San Francisco was 966 to win the game. So what does that tell you? That's why I don't bet sports no more. But that North Carolina curse, game Mike. ranks you're up like, there. You're, with, you're, you're the touch of death, man. Like, yeah. when, you bet, when you bet, it's just, oh, it's just like... Dude, I mean, like... Even when I bet, I'm like, well, he didn't lie. He gave me a guaranteed winner. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how even when they got the three and out, Kansas City was third and 15 with 6.38 to go, down 20 to 10. I was pulling my friend, had a lot of money on Kansas City, so I was like, come on, Kansas City, score a touchdown because even if there's two scores, I can't lose. And there's, there's no way there could be three scores in the last six minutes, like, <laughs> right? And so I was pulling. They get, they get that third and 15, and then they score, and I'm thinking – Okay, that's great. And then I I just and then even when they they took the lead and then they stopped Frisco. I'm like, "All right, we all win now." And somehow the guys running into the end zone. Like I didn't even watch the play. I just watched the guy running into the end zone. I'm like, "What is he doing? All he has to do is like after first down is drop to a knee and the game's over." So that was like the only chance Frisco had of winning the game was him scoring a touchdown. I mean, I'm just thinking to myself what had to happen for me to lose, but that's why I don't bet no more. <laughs> and uh, like I said, uh, my, and the thing is I, I put it out on Twitter, you know, and I'm like, 
Oh, and they're all going crazy. Hey, the thousand bucks. Uh. They, do you understand that like, I used to bet like ten and twenty thousand a game? Like if I if I was cool. able to bet a thousand dollars every game that I uh, that's played every day of my life, I would still have probably ten million dollars. Okay, so uh, yeah, a thousand bucks a lot of money to me. You know, I didn't like losing it, but cool. uh, but watching like that's why I can't be on Twitter. It's like the most negative place in history. It's like if you want to be awful. depressed, go on Twitter. If you're in a good mood and want to be depressed, go on Twitter. If you're already depressed and you want to be de- be just as depressed as everyone else, and and just you, you fit perfect on Twitter because all those people are are just negative people that have no lives. I mean, literally, they're with just. That mo- said, with they're, that said, though, if you are looking, if you can, if you cannot take it too seriously. You could have a lot of fun on Twitter just laughing at the. Room. Well, I used to. I used to not. To, I never followed a mention. I didn't even know there was mentions, right? I just would put yeah. a tweet out and that's it. All of a sudden, my girl's like, well, you see what they're saying. I go, I don't care what they're saying, right? And then I put out a real positive tweet. So then I, one day, and I just wanted to see what they said, right? So I never read mentions <laughs> at all. And it was all like, like, it was something like really positive. And then they'd say, I don't care what you say. You're a Trump supporter. They'll bring up like politics. <laughs> like, really? Like you're gonna bring I my tweet had nothing to do with politics. Like, and you're gonna bring up politics? So it's like I don't understand like why do people follow you if they, they hate you so much? Now people are like, well, why don't you just block them? I go, why 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 should I block them? I'm like, they they're obviously following me and they want to hear what I have to say or they wouldn't be commenting on it. I have no reason to block them. Why block them? They're just fucking just they have no lives you know but lately yeah, that's it like they, they have nothing better to do yeah i mean i really i've been talking with people i want to i want to create a social media platform like twitter but like sure. it's called like positivity you know and like it, and and it will be like twitter says they're for free speech but they're not because they censor whoever they want yeah. but i want them to be like if you say something negative towards somebody you get five minutes off twitter do it again 10 minutes, do it again, 20 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And if you get like 10, 10 violations, you're off for a week. You know what I'm saying? The bottom line is I would be a place where everybody's always uplifting people. I don't know if that's possible because we're in a country of such division, but yeah, if you really, and I, I said it to my last phone call, people say, you know, I was devastated when Kobe died. Right. I mean, I was a dire yeah. Laker fan. I knew I knew I was friends mm-hmm. with the bosses. I knew I knew the team back then. I was devastated. But everybody didn't even know Kobe that they were devastated. And for the first time in I couldn't tell you how many years, everybody in the country felt the same pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it gave you a reflection on life of how precious life is. That politics don't mean shit. That who has money don't mm-hmm. mean shit. None of that's all irrelevant. And, 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 and people, when they woke up the next day, I guarantee you, if, let's just say nine people died in that crash, if it changed mm-hmm. nine people's lives, it, it, it might have been worth it. You know, and I guarantee you, it changed hundreds of thousands of people's lives. You understand what I'm saying? They, start, they woke up the next day thinking how, how precious life is, and they didn't realize that until that happened. See what I'm saying? How somebody could have everything and lose it, and it's all gone in a flash. And, and, and it's a shame I, it took that. Right. And so you have to look at what, why did this happen? You know, good things happen. You have to take good out of bad things. And I think, like, Kobe's death really helped the country in a good way. 
And I, I know that you, it's crazy, but you have to take good out of it. God does things for reasons. God doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And if God does things, you have to tell yourself, well, probably God does make mistakes. Uh, he made liberals. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, Danny, make sure, you, make sure you get rid of that, Danny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, no, God doesn't make mistakes and, and everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And, and it took me a long time sure. to realize even when I was going through all the pain and I was blaming everybody, how could this happen to me? Da, 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 da. You know, but it made me a better person. And, um, and sure. that, and, and, and I always would think, uh, you know, I didn't know what rock bottom was. And then there was another bottom and another bottom. I'm like, wait a minute, it could get worse, you know? And I, I guess I needed that to happen for me to be in the place I am today mentally. So you know, that's the way you got to take things. Yep. So much has happened to you since Check Raising the Devil. Right. Like, so have much. Have you considered adding on to it and writing something else? And, well, and I, was, the, I was writing you know, Check. I was going to write write Check Raising the Devil to The Devil Raised Back. That was going to be my second book. Oh, nice. But I changed I changed it to Poker, Pain, and Politics, how all three made me a better, better person. And so um, I'm hoping to have that out before the World Series. That's, that's the goal. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it talks about just God. Just see, nobody understands in the world what's happened to me. They say, oh, Mike had a bad back. He had surgery. They have no idea. I had permanent spinal cord injury. I live in chronic pain. Uh, you know, I try to not. To, I try and hide it, and and uh, you know, but I, I I I've also quit being the victim for three and a half years. I was a victim, and that's what they do on the left. They tell you you're a victim. You're 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 african-american you're latino you have you've been dealt a bad hand we have white yeah. privilege white fucking pro- you think i fucking don't know that i'm gracious that i think that I, luckily that i've been born white in this country i'm not going to apologize for it you understand what i'm saying i you know but but but, yeah. but it's not like don't tell pe- there's plenty of african-americans latino people that started with nothing that have, are multi-millionaires okay you have to have yeah. an uplifting message you have to tell people what you not not they're a victim and the government will take care of it because that's what they want. They want to have control over you. I don't want government in my life. Do you want government in your life? I don't, you know? So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's like stop telling people they're a victim. Tell, that's the thing. Say what you want about Trump. He's always touting, we're going to make, we're going to all be rich together. Whether he's lying or not, he's always, like, always with a positive, uplifting message. You know, and that's what people see and they believe that whether it's true or not, it's probably not true. Most of it, but it's an uplifting message, kind of like Obama's hope and change was you have to have a message and nobody on the other side and the left has a message that's going to uplift the country. Oh yeah, they, they, They do. They do. Orange man bad. That's it. As far as I can tell, that's their message. That was their message in 2016. How did that work out? See what I'm saying? But well, actually, that, in 2016, no one took him seriously. Right. They gave him all this free airtime. Well, that's <laughs> that, the thing, like, and I, that's I, what's I, that, that's what scares me now. Yeah. Okay, they gave him all the free airtime because they wanted him to be the nominee because they didn't think he could win. And see, I watch Fox. I watch how they push pro Bernie stuff because they want Bernie to be the nominee. They're always talking. Yeah. I know what propaganda is. I can tell what prop- propaganda is when they're saying, oh, they're fucking Bernie again. Oh, they're fucking Bernie again. Oh, they're fucking Bernie. Now, what they did in Iowa, they, yes, they were fucking Bernie again. But they're pushing mm-hmm. They're pushing it every, all, every day and every day because they want the Bernie people, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, okay, to 
come out and vote for Trump again like they did in 2016. It's all about votes. See, I see all these things. But they're giving all this free airtime, pumping up Bernie like, like, oh, they're screwing Bernie. Bernie's this and Bernie. Oh, because they want the right wants Bernie to be the nominee, just like the left wanted Trump to be the nominee because they don't think he could win. And my answer is be careful what you wish for. Because if yeah, don't he, underestimate the Bernie bro. Right. Because if he is the nominee and something flukish happens and he does become president, the the way you the America you look at today will change forever. That's the bottom line. Okay. And so uh be careful what you wish for. That's my answer to people that keep Indeed. pushing Bernie on the right because he is the most dangerous person that could ever get in office. They, he is he's everything they say Trump is, which he isn't. Mm-hmm. That's all. So, An actual authoritarian. So yeah, exactly. Scary. All right, my man. Um, oh, quick question. I yeah. told him was one thing. I saw that they uh, Poker Central just bought high stakes poker, and they're actually going to start making that again. Are we yes. going to see you on there? Yes, you will. Yes, you will. I'm looking forward to it, dude. But I'm, I'm going to be. Run into you I know one thing. I'm not going to be. I won't from, be playing yeah. in games where, uh, you know, with uh, six wizards. I mean, I just well, yeah. don't put myself in that spot. You know what I'm saying? I'm playing games with, uh, you know, where I feel like I can compete. You know what I mean? I don't want to be. There's a lot of these people that play better than me now, uh, but uh, not as many as I originally thought a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I'll be on there for sure. So looking forward to it. I'm hoping to run into you at the series. I'll be there. Absolutely, come up and say hi. I appreciate it. Take Take care, care, man. Have a good one. Later. The mouthpiece. I hope you enjoyed episode 35, year two of the mouthpiece. Um, check in. Hopefully, n- within a week, we will have the video all up from the Cabo trip on youtube.com slash Mike the Mouth. And uh, next week, we're going to have a, a guest, uh, a good guest. Be humble. Don't let politics control your life. Stay happy. Remember, life is precious every day you wake up. You've already beaten the odds. Have a great day. Have a great week. This is Mike. Out.